All right. That David show, and it's funny because we just had a, a discussion on the title of that David show, is lucky enough to have WSCR sideline reporter at 670 to score sideline reporter the same uh, for the Bears. The one and only Mark Brody, who's always been uh, kind to DNI uh, to come on the show and drop some jewels. So we had to bring him in, get, get by Ryan, especially with the news that just dropped. But first, how are you doing, Brody? I am doing well. Happy to be back on with you. And yeah, much. Uh, I'm actually just happy that we are we're talking about sports again. And right. it's just all over the place, left and right. I don't want to say it's like it, it, it was never gone because it was pretty angst ridden for a while. But it's uh, really good to have sports back and to have the NFL back as well. I totally agree with you. And I, I'm a Southsider, so it's good to, to have the baseball back. Uh, especially after the years of getting my, my heart tramped on by my team. I'm, I'm happy to be in first in the L, man. I, I, I like it. It's a good feeling. It's been a long time. I got to tell you, there's nothing fluky about the White Sox either. Sometimes there's, there's been years for both of our baseball teams, the Cubs and the Sox, where you can look back and say, eh, I'm not really sure. Like 2000 for the White Sox, the Cubs in 89. I'm not really sure if that was – a really good, but the White Sox, man, that team that they have put together is legit, and I think they could do damage in the postseason. Definitely, uh, we'll see. I know some people want us to get Clemenger, but I I rather hold on to my prospects because uh, the guy whose name should not be mentioned, and that is Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't want to see that happen again. So I don't trust these guys with trades right now. So we're gonna just leave leave this name pat for right now. Let's leave <laughs> but listen. Let's get into some football. It was a few things. This was like the third question, but it bubbled up like an hour ago again, and that is Allen Robinson with this trade request. Now, I guess the question is, is this an Alvin Kamara situation where it's just like, all right, let me sit here and show you the mark where I'm at so you'll finally get to the table and we can kind of come to some compromise? Or is there starting to be so much friction that you expect perhaps at the end of the year he may walk away if he's not franchise tag? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really taken to another level. And I, I, I have not spoken to Allen Robinson. We as a media have not had collective discussions with him in the last, you know, 48 hours or so when all of this started to go down. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think it is a play on his part to, you know, to get the bears going. We, we don't know. We don't know what he was offered. We don't, if he was offered something, we don't know what Allen Robinson might've asked for, um, you know, and now he's getting it out to the public and to the, we, the bears beat reporters and everybody is kind of scurrying, trying to figure out what's going on. I will say this. I mean, it's, it's, probably a smart move on his part to get his displeasure out there in the public because I don't know too many Bears fans who aren't going to support Allen Robinson at this point because he is the best player on offense. And for whatever it's worth, man, he was every single year, the media votes on a player to award something special from us as the, the, the Bears beat people. The, um, an award to the, the most media friendly guy or a guy who was best to us. Um, and he actually got that award last year. So he's going to get good publicity, I would think, um, out of anything that he puts out there. We'll see. We'll see if this actually prompts the Bears to do something, if it prompts the Bears to comment on anything. At this point, we don't know. It's a, as we like to say, a fluid situation. And hopefully, We'll find out more in the next couple of days if, if they want to comment on it. Sticking with this, 
Uh, Mark, let me ask you this. Usually Ryan Pace sits there and he takes care of the players who are up for contracts really in the preseason before their season starts. I mean, that's, that's usually how this, this takes place. Could this be an issue during this season? Or, is, again, it's just a regular contract thing. And you just mentioned, one, how good he is with the media, but I also would take it that he's really good in that locker room. We've seen some of the players uh, that have come out and backed him could this disrupt that locker room, the fact that he's not getting paid and he's such a value? Yeah, I, I'm actually glad you brought that up because the media thing probably should go in the background a little bit. That's probably that I, I probably should have said that more as a peripheral thing because, yes, in the locker room, I mean, you could see it on social media right now. All the lots of Bears players, especially on offense, are, you know, supporting Allen Robinson and saying, you know, get this man his money, take care of him. So, for sure, yeah. I mean, he is he is a popular man in the locker room. Um, he's very close with some of the guys at defense, too. His locker is right near Eddie Jackson's, um, right next to Mitchell Trubisky as well. So, you know, he's one of the leaders in that locker room, one of the voices in that locker room. And, you know, as far as the this happening during the season – yeah, of course, it's going to be a little bit of a, of a distraction to the team. I don't know that it's going to affect anybody's play, and probably knowing Allen Robinson, it probably won't affect his play on the field. But reporters, we are going to ask about it. It is in the news. It is a story. It is a star player. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they do still get a deal done. Ryan Pace said that he doesn't rule out that possibility. I mean, he, as you said, he usually does get these deals done before the season start. That's kind of been what, you know, the track record suggests, but it's not impossible that an extension would get done with Allen Robinson sometime in the season. That Davis show right now, looking up to have Mark Grody, follow him at Mark Grody sports. Mark, let me ask you this. Uh, the defense didn't come out and talk to you guys. Let's talk about the media because you guys do important stuff. You, you connect us to the team. All right. So you don't have to put that in your back pocket. We're going to bring it back out. <laughs> so listen, the defense didn't talk to the media and I want to know why do you believe they didn't talk to the media, but I also want to go back to last season. And there was a lot of games where Khalil Mack necessarily didn't talk to the media. And also I want to kind of get into Khalil Mack and this, this step forward to be more of a vocal leader uh, later, but I'll ask you that. But as far as the defense not talking, why do you think that's a place and why was Khalil Mack not talking last season? Uh, you know, I got a little bit of uh, clarification on that and it had to do with that. That was more of just a communication error between the media and public relations with the Bears. I don't think they had realized that we didn't have a defensive player to speak to, so they did end up getting Akeem Hicks okay. um, for us. So there was nothing, nothing that I know that was personal on the side on the part of the defense. It's just this was just one of those. I'll go ahead and uh, call it a snafu in this age in which we live um, of the pandemic and them having just one PR guy in the locker room. So um, I don't think it was anything personal. And I think that that was, that was taken care of, I do believe so. But as far as Khalil Mack is concerned, yeah, he was supposed to speak to us last week and I don't know why he didn't end up speaking to us. That one, I don't know. And last year was after games, why was he not talking for you? As far as what you believe, why didn't he talk to the media for a lot of games last year? And I know the season wasn't what they wanted it to be, but he disappeared as far as to be a quote unquote leader when it was time to speak. Man, I, it's like, I think number one, I think he, I don't think he hates us. I don't think like there's hate in Khalil Mack, but he truly hates talking to the media. He really does. Like I, I have learned that about him, that it's not personal. Um, and I don't think it, I don't think it's construed that way by most of my brethren in, in the bears media, but he really can't stand talking about himself. 
He just doesn't like doing it. Why he doesn't like doing it, I don't know. So I think that that had more to do with it than anything. Once word got around, though, a little bit that people in the media were questioning his leadership because he didn't speak after games, which is frustrating, no doubt about it, um, from from all of our perspectives. Um, he did start to speak a little bit more, um, and I think maybe he realized that that's unfortunately for him, it's part of the gig. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not something he, he. I think he had it easier in Oakland, where the media is not as huge. I mean, it, it's you know eight times as big in Chicago. Chicago is one of the biggest media hordes that exists, even and that includes the the New York teams because the New York teams are split with their media because they have two teams. So I I think maybe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think it was a little bit overwhelming for Kodal Mac to have to deal with all of us um, and the responsibilities that were expected of him and the questions that he would get that this was, this is not while, while he thrives in a bears uniform as a player. I don't think that this is the media town for him. Okay. That, that definitely makes sense. I want to stick with him real quick because one of the things we did notice during this game on the sidelines, he was trying to galvanize the team. Now I kind of want this to correlate a little bit with our discussion with Allen Robinson, because I do view Allen Robinson as one of the leaders, not saying Khalil Mack is, but Allen Robinson comes off as more of a vocal leader. Do you think that usually guys go off of stay who you are because if you try to be someone else, and we say it's with coaches a lot, but it also pertains to players being for us to play sports at different levels, that when a guy kind of steps out and tries to be somebody that he's not, it's not believable. Do you think him trying to galvanize a team is believable because it hasn't necessarily been something that he's done in the past? Well, you know, I will say this, that I, I kind of thought the same last year. I remember talking to some players in the locker room last year um, and I think it was Buster Screen that he said that he said that Mac was even last year he was one of the biggest leaders in that locker room. Believe it or not, that he he was a a vocal guy, and I know that it was sort of caught by the cameras in the game with him, you know, being vocal and galvanizing the team, but. I, from what I understand, he does have a pretty big voice in, in the locker room. As little as he says to the media um, of substance to us and our questions, I think that he takes care of his teammates. And then he's one of these guys, too, of course, who he is. I'll tell you this, like, when you watch him practice, he practices harder than anybody else. It's not a joke. That's not hyperbole that you hear coming from us. Like, he's a ridiculous practice player. So you can't slack around him because if you do, you're just going to look foolish. And so he is like, I hate like the term lead by example because it's just so ambiguous. And what does it really mean? But in his case, when he's, when he does something, you best act accordingly or else you're going to be sent to the back of the line. Do you think, you know, when, when Julius Peppers were here and it's funny, I talked to my friends and they, they talk about Khalil Mack and they want to compare it to Julius Peppers and how Peppers had that tag of taking plays off when, even though sometimes you can't be hot if you played any sports on every down, right? Like, that's just – you can't be. Um, but one of the things that I look at in view is that it seems like – and I know you can't call holding on every play. It seems like he's, he's held almost on every play, you know? And I don't know if that's a situation where the coaches need to necessarily make sure they talk to the guys in the stripes, you know, to so make sure during the week that they know what's going on. Or is it a situation where – Khalil Mack, and as you just said, he, he works hard. And I don't, I don't want that narrative to permeate because it's not what I believe, but also I may be biased. So is, he, is it comparable to what people are saying about Julius Peppers? Or is no, this guy is basically uh, pedal to the floor 24-7 when it comes to that edge rushing against that quarterback? In a much smaller scale, in a much smaller scale when I say this, it reminds me a little bit of Shaquille O'Neal when he was in his prime. 
and he would drive to the basket and he'd get fouled, fouled, fouled. And sometimes the refs would call it, sometimes they wouldn't because he was just this unstoppable force to the point where it was like almost unfair. And I, I think refs had a really hard time call, dealing with Shaquille O'Neal and what's a foul and what's not because he was just, he's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like it, it's totally different, obviously. We're, we're, we're dealing with different scales and different sports here with Khalil Mack. But I do think there is some of that, too, that if you have a guy like Khalil Mack who is held, um, I'm not going to say every single play, but certainly more times than it's called, it, to me it's the referees kind of getting sleepy and growing immune to it as well because you're right. I mean, if you and I, and in this case I had to watch the game on TV just like everybody else because of the, the pandemic, if you and I could see that, um, and we're amateurs, like why aren't they seeing it? Like we're, we're like, that, that's holding. He, he, he's grabbing his shirt. You can't do that. Um, it, it, then you have to say, what are they looking at? And have they grown immune to calling holding on every single play that there is a holding call on when it comes to any of the star pass rushers in the league, let alone Khalil Mack? That David show right now, Mark Grody, sideline reporter, baseball reporter for the 670 score. Follow me, Mark Grody Sports. Sorry, Mark, I'm a little bit tongue tied. Listen, I want to stick with the defense because you got me Bears excited. And I had more questions after this game than going into this game. I mean, it was a win, but it was like, whoa, you guys. Oh, yeah. It was like one of those. And the defense initially, I felt like I was excited uh, because even though it was a low-scoring game, you know, it, they, they were in it. And, and then it seemed like they got gassed. And I don't know if, if it's also play calling because, one, we look at Chuck Pagano as being a guy that brings the heat, especially when we know Robert Quinn isn't there. Uh, so we're looking for that heat to be brung, even though you're dealing with a Matthew Stafford who, yeah, Bears fans, we can clown him somewhat, but he's a top-tier quarterback. He's at least in the top ten when he's healthy. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if – am I looking at Chuck Pagano for this type of situation or it's a situation where due to injuries or we're talking about Eddie Goldman. All right, so I'm including the run game. Uh, we talked about Robert Quinn with his ankle, uh, but also guys that were in there. I didn't see the interior linebackers, and those were two players – that you felt so good going into this season because at first we didn't think they were going to retain Danny Trevathan. So when they retained him, it was like, cool. You know what I'm saying? And that's not a knock on Nick Wachowski, but because Nick Wachowski balled last year. Yeah. There was still some worries about him in the passing game being with those two, what we expect from these two speed merchants, in particular, Roquan Smith. So what were some of the things with, defensively? that you noticed were an issue or should we just all, and I know this is, the, this is just the easy way to say it, chalk it up because Robert Quinn wasn't there on the other side. No, I, I don't think you can completely chalk it up to that. I do think that I, I would say they missed Eddie Goldman more because we saw way too much, too many bursts. Like God bless, everybody loves Adrian Peterson, the player, you know what I'm saying? But like way too many big bursting holes for Adrian Peterson and nobody putting a hand on him at this point in his career. And he's crushed the bears in the past when he was in his prime with Minnesota. So it was like, come on, still he's doing this to the bears. So I do think that that big man in the middle was missed. However, you know, Akeem Hicks is a guy who is known for putting a, putting a stop to some of that run. We, we saw him come up with a huge sack late in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it just felt like, the drive that disappointed me the most was the Lions' first drive of the second half, the third quarter, 
where the defense, because a lot of times you could say, well, the defense is tired because the offense is three and out, three and out, three and out, as they were in the first half. But in that second, in that third quarter, first drive, they had just come out of the tunnels, out of the locker rooms, they're well-rested. Detroit marches right down the field. It, the Bears were on their heels, and we haven't seen that. We haven't mm-hmm. seen that barely during the, you know, th- this group. I mean, you mentioned Danny Trevathan. You could see him way off his guy. Again, you and I could see it. Danny Trevathan on his own island with the tight end Hawkinson getting away from him and, and catching football. So there was too many times that there was some sloppy tackling, which I think was – that's the one thing I think Matt Nagy – there's two things that Matt Nagy said that were going to be the effect of the preseason games, that reaction time might be a little bit off timing. Timing is what I should say. And then tackling. Tackling might be a little sloppy. And we saw it being – we saw that come to play as well. So if, if you if, – if we're giving them a, a, an excuse, certainly not a pass, but an excuse, the lack of preseason games probably hurt the timing. And not to mention it was, because of the pandemic, a softer training camp as well. Mm, true. Definitely true. Look, I, I, I want to stick with the defense but go to the rookies. Uh, Jalen Johnson being a, a rookie starting at cornerback, I think he had a good game. Uh, to me, he had a good game. But this also starts to see, and I don't want to drink too much Barrett's Kool-Aid, one of those years when Ryan Pace hit on three or four draft picks. It, I mean, it's one game. Let me leave with that. It's one <laughs> game. All right? But when you look at Jalen Johnson, Cole Clement, and uh, D- Darnell Murray, at least mm-hmm. just out of those three, because that little speed, dude, because I mean, usually, like, and it's funny that we have Ted get on this team, when you talk about speed dudes, you think about, like, him coming out of Ohio State. Like, all right, this is all I do, right? But Morris seemed to be able to do a little bit more. So it was like, oh, you're just not an in-line guy. I like how you dropped to get the ball. But what are your thoughts on the rookies this year? Should we be excited uh, that, that, that Ryan Pace, who has missed, especially in the first round, but it seems like he got back into his bag this uh, past offseason? It was great to see two guys make an impact. Like I, when when they, when they were drafted, when Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney are drafted, and people are asking me about them, I said, "Well, with the truncated off season and the mystery surrounding the season, I don't think that either of these guys is going to make an it start, let alone make an impact." And they proved me wrong. Both started, both made an impact. I'll start with Mooney because we actually um, we zoomed with him today, and he told us that when he came on the field for the first time, all the Detroit defensive players were like, speed, 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 speed. So they knew. I mean, they knew the reputation was there. And I have to say that Matt Nagy ran some smart plays with him because he didn't burn him. He, he didn't, he didn't uh, run him on go. He put him inside. He had him run a route, and he had the defenders off of him. So he was able to make a couple of free catches for around 40 yards, I think is what he came up with. Um, cool as can be he is supremely confident it's that word that i'm always looking for between confident and cocky it's a good yeah. thing it's a good thing in sports you know what i mean um and jalen johnson has the same thing same thing we were talking to him today on zoom and everybody's trying to get the hey were you nervous and, and both these guys are like nah no big deal whatever you know moody was like i was less nervous for this than i was playing high school and college he's like he's he got, i was he, got, he said he was too relaxed at, at mm. some point in time so um, and then, you know, Jalen Johnson, like a typical cornerback in the NFL, like there were some plays that he missed, um, but he made more big plays than bad plays, I thought. You know, he tips the ball that is ultimately intercepted by Kyle Fuller. He had a couple of nice uh, plays um, downfield on guys. He did get he did get trucked at one point in time. He did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 
That was not a great look. Oh, yeah. Remind me of high school. Like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, no. <laughs> I want none of that. Look, speaking of truck, and you bro mentioned him earlier, I want to throw this jab in there because Adrian Peterson, right? And I won. Was there a part of you that was rooting for him just because of those old matchups? Because he, I remember when he first started with the Vikings, it was like, oh, this is totally different. But that hit, when Buster's screen tried to, well, tackled him, I swear I worried about Buster Screen's sternum the rest of the game. <laughs> collision was like, oh, no, you want none of that uh, yeah. trailer coming through the pipe. But, look, sticking with running, um, and you mentioned Matt Nagy's play call, all right? And one of the things last year was just him not necessarily sticking to the run. And the fact – that's the I think that's what I was hyped about most of this game. The fact that he did not – even regardless of not getting a lot of scoring on offense, he didn't abandon the run – uh, and that, now, is that because of the coaches that he's brought in, or is that maturity? Is that because him and Harry Heastad perhaps weren't on the same page, or is it more the fact that Matt Nagy knows that sometimes you have to go to fundamentals, even though you want to prove your brilliance through the passing game? Yeah, no, I think it's more Nagy that he finally realized something because I remember back at the at the combine, and you know, we've asked him millions of times about the running game, even even in 2018 when they were a terrific team even after we talked about, oh, that what a great win. It was like, okay, where was the running game? And, it, and every week, every week he would say, oh, it's coming, it's coming, we're working on it, we're working on it. And, you know, finally, I think I asked him at the Combine, Do you, have, you, have you kind of finally realized that you have to, or I don't think I worded it that way, but something to the effect of you have to run the offense that you have for the players that you have for the talent that exists. And he said, yeah, that in, in other words, he had to change some things and the way he called the game and that they have to run the football. And finally it happened. Like we talked so much about Mitch Trubisky doing all the talking and we have to actually see it on the field. And it's the same thing with Matt Nagy. He did a lot of talking, like in practice, the running game looks good. Let's see it on the field. Like no more talking about it. And finally we saw it. I think he realized that if this team is going to win, if this offense is going to survive and thrive, he had to do it, even if he still hates the run. I still don't think the guy, you know, he, he wants to pass. He yes. wants to pass like crazy. If he had his druthers, that's what they'd be doing. So it's taken him three years to realize, I can't do that anymore. Um, so, and, I mean, I do think Juan Castillo probably gives a different look. I mean, that's not at all to, to denigrate his predecessor in any way, shape, or form in Harry Heastan. It's just a different look, a different concept, and it seems like the players, at least for one week, took well to it because it was good. Listen, rush as far as rushing and also pass, uh, uh, pass blocking, what were your thoughts on the offensive line? Because to me, they played better than what I saw last year, even though there were sometimes Mitch was necessarily pressured. And what were your pros and cons from game one necessarily that was stuck out? I think that it was overall, it was, I'd give it a good for the offensive line. I thought their running um, O-line was better than their, their uh, pass protection in this game. Not that it was bad. Um, everybody looked improved. Fewer mistakes along that offensive line. Charles Leno Jr. looked more sturdy in this game than he did a lot of last year. Um, James Daniels, you know, he seems like he's taken the next step. Cody Whitehair didn't – I didn't notice any kind of problems with the exchanges. Right. Uh, you know, and that was yeah. always a bugaboo early in the year. So, um, on the overall, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, and heck, heck Charles Leno probably made the play of the game when he recovered that fumble, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, like, what, what are we talking about right now if, if that's not recovered? Who knows? Who knows if it's a scoop and score for Detroit or if they just get the ball in that 
position. Um, it was a horrible play by by Trubisky, you know, running backwards and then fumbling, and then just a a spot on the way you teach it recovery of the fumble by Big Charles Leno. Listen, I don't want to go to the low-hanging fruit. That David show, Mark Brody, Bear Silent Reporter for 670 Score. Follow him at Mark Brody Sports. I'm not doing low-hanging fruit today, Mark. We're not going to do Mitch versus Nick Foles. You can do that with everybody. Okay. It's yeah. just no reason. It's no, we'll wait. All right. We'll get, <laughs> I, I will say this. Okay, when you brought up the Cody Whitehair and the exchange part, when Nick Foles gets there and there's a lot more shotgun, I'm going to start worrying about Cody Whitehair just a tad bit more. I will just point that out. All right, real quick. Mm. Oh. Let's go to this week. With the Giants, um, a lot of people thought that offense was going to be better. Uh, but one, Saquon Barkley was basically stopped. And, you know, they, they never really have all their receivers as far as Evan Ingram, even though we're on the tight end, uh, the whole accoutrement uh, together. What are your expectations and what what's the Bears do uh, going to face the Giants this weekend? Well, Bears are favored, and I think that they should win. I think that they they will win. This is a team that they, they beat last year as well when they were a four-win team. And I've heard people saying – in New York that this is a better team. They have more respect for their coach and all that. But I think that I think the Bears are again getting the Giants at a good time. That this is like the team that's the proverbial year away from being good. I don't expect Saquon Barkley to be bad in this game like he was mm. last night's game, uh, where it was just horrid. It was a nightmare for for Barkley and for the Giants on offense as far as the running game is concerned. Um, you know, he hurt the Bears last year. Um, I do think that he is – Yeah, I do think that they're going to have to re- – I mean, look, I mean, we're, just, we're talking about Adrian Peterson and what he was able to do at his age. Um, I mean, they better, they better lock down a little bit and shore up for Saquon Barkley or else, or else he, will, he will burn them. But I, but I think on the overall, the Bears are a much better team than, than the New York Giants. And look, in the division, it's only one game, but what are your thoughts on the other teams in the division with the, the Vikings facing the Packers and the Bears facing the Lions? How do you think this division is necessarily going to play out this season? I still think the Minnesota Vikings are the best team in the division, um, even though the Packers took them out and Aaron Rodgers looked terrific in that contest. I just think that there is a lot of veteran talent on that team. And then they got some really young up-and-comers, too, on the Vikings. I think they had, like, 16 draft picks. They had the most draft picks in the draft this year, most that they've had, like, since for 20 years or something like that. So I think that if they can figure it out and mesh all of that they have on the Vikings, I still think that that's the best team in the division. Uh, but Green Bay is right there, and it's like, it's like talk about low-hanging fruit. It's always easy to – to say Green Bay is going to be there and tell Aaron Rodgers isn't there. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just like you go to the, like the Packers, you could you can name three or four guys who kind of stand out on their team, but it's really all about Aaron Rodgers. And as long as he's healthy and looking like he did um, in Week One against the Vikings, they're going to be a threat. Uh, but right now, I think they're just a tick below Minnesota. All right, bro. Let's get out of sports. Let's have a little bit of fun before you get up out of here. All right. We've been in COVID formation. So, one, I want to know mentally, all right, how have you been with everything that's been going on? Because I haven't talked to you that. This isn't the fun part. It'll start fun right after this. But how have you been with everything that's been going on? And how have you been moving now in this shelter-in-place type of environment? Wow. It's been a – I would say it's been a wild ride. Um, the good thing about being me is that I don't – Nobody depends on me for anything in my life. I'm a single man, so nobody misses me. Nobody needs me for anything. So really, the isolation that I've done, it is really just the same the same thing in my life. There's really not much that's changed. I will say that I, I did a couple things differently 
during uh, the the hardest part of the pandemic. I did start. I I, um, I I did start a podcast. I started a podcast with a buddy of mine. It's called uh, "Let Me Put a List Together," and we just put. It's the it's the most simple of of podcasts of all time and completely unoriginal. What we do is put together lists of things about which we are passionate, like uh, 90s music, top 10 90s song, top 10 Martin Scorsese, simple things that people during the pandemic didn't have to use their brains for. Just let us talk and be clowns and goofballs. Uh, so I've had fun, fun doing that. Where can you um, find it, Mark? Where can you find it? Um, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast. I usually okay. post it. Yeah, we haven't done it. We're we're working on season two, as we like to call it. Well, season okay. one wrapped up. <laughs> but yeah, actually, right now, I think I've got it po- to make it easy. I got it posted on my Instagram page. Just just uh, look me up at Mark Grody, and you could uh, you could find it there. But you can find it anywhere you you find your podcast. Let me put a list together. And then thanks for letting me plug that, man. I appreciate. Oh, that. anytime, anytime. Also, so food wise, because now see, before I wasn't using Uber Eats and all these other apps, but I've used them a lot more. So. What is what has been your go-to meals as far as if you're getting some delivery or have you just been like you know what forget it I'm going to be out about I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah, you know, I've had a I guess the one risk that I've been willing to take is to which I live downtown so I got a grocery store right near me so I actually walk to the grocery I'm up mm. again back to the single guy thing. I get my food per day so I go to the grocery store just about every fresh. single right? Fresh. I go fresh. Exactly, yeah. I go fresh. I go fresh. Yeah. So this is a great question because when the pandemic started, I was like, you know what? Cause I'm a weight fluctuator. I fluctuate. So I was like, I am not going to let this be, I am not going to let this pandemic get me fat because it would be very easy to, to have that occur. Right. Cause what are you going to do? Eat man. It's I know. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I, know. I love eating. I don't want to not want to eat, you know, appetite suppress. No, no, I want to eat. Um, so I, I was very healthy for a while it's ironic because it's only been about the last month or so that I've been eating like a, like a maniac, like just, just horribly. So yeah, yesterday, last night was fast food and I'm big on the, uh, when I'm, when I'm losing it a little bit, like in terms of just letting myself go, I get a rotisserie chicken mm. and um, a big tub of blue cheese and mix it with barbecue sauce. Um, yeah. And it's really good. And then always dessert of some sort, like ice cream, with cake. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bro. Last one. All right. Okay. You got right. about six minutes here. I need. Okay. I want a story, either athlete or the reporter or talking head. But what's the wildest story as far as getting it into with someone, or just hearing something that was odd that you can say here that you're not exposing someone else during your career as a reporter or, like I said, a person that's on the radio as a talking head. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe I can give, I'm trying to think here. I can probably give you the choice. Would you like the story about Jim Hendry hollering at me on the infield at Wrigley Field or the Barry Bonds yelling at me in the Cubs visiting a locker room when he played for the Giants? You got to go Barry Bonds. Okay. I'll Jim Henry one next time. Don't you give that injury to anybody else. But I- <laughs> Next time, but give me Barry Bonds. All right. So this is obviously years ago when Barry Bonds, I I wish I could think which year is like early, early aughts. Um, And I, I had to go over to the, the visiting locker room at Wrigley field, which for people who have never been in it, it's the most uncomfortable place. It's it was the size they've changed it since I've been there size of a closet. 
Uh, so everybody hears everything that's said. All conversations are out there. It's like it's being broadcast. So it's very uncomfortable, um, the situation there to begin with. So all me and a bunch of other reporters are all over there. We're all kind of huddled together, and we're all kind of stalking Barry Bonds because we all want to know if he's playing. This is like a day in which he might be playing, might not be playing. Um, and so I was like, the hell with it. I need to find out. I'm on, I'm on a you know, I'm on the clock. I got to get on the air here soon. So I depart from the reporters and the reporters are like, Oh no. So I go over to Barry. He's, he's over there. He's over there lifting weights. You know, he's lifting weights. And I go, I go, Barry, I said, uh, I said, you playing today. And he just kind of looks at me and he's, he's lifting the weights and he just, and he yells. He's like, he's like, man, he's like, can't you see I'm doing something right now? And I'm like, I'm in, I wasn't even flustered. I was kind of like, uh, I go, Barry, I go, I'm on a time schedule here. I just want to know. I just want to know if you're in the lineup today. And he puts the weight down. He's like, gets in my face. And he goes, he goes, man, can't you see I'm doing something right now? And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, and all, and all, all the other reporters are looking at me and they're all like, they're, they're all like, what did he say? What did he say? And I'm like, you heard him. You heard him. <laughs> <laughs> he's busy. He's what he's saying. Yeah. So I don't know if he's playing, but the but the the good ending to that story was, and I, I left the locker room because I had to. Um, the, the good ending to that story was one of the other reporters ended up finding out that he was playing that day, and because the other reporters saw what I went through, that I took the hit for everybody, they gave me the information right quick, Sweet. and I was able to get it on the air. So Sweet. so yeah. So that's my. That's my Barry Bonds experience. So what this was this was Balco Barry, I take it. So he oh, yeah. raging a little bit while you did that. <laughs> yeah, Balco. You gotta Barry, know yeah. when it's time to let go of McGrody. You gotta know he's <laughs> raging. Gotta let him do his thing. Especially if he's lifting and raging, Grody. You gotta let him hey, do his thing. I learned a very important lesson that day. Listen, Mark Grody, sideline reporter for the Bears for six seven news score. We always I always appreciate it. I'm sorry to say we because I always think about D being here. Me and Ryan yeah. though. Um, always yeah. appreciate it. Stay safe during COVID. I look forward to talking to you down the line, man. Always love talking. Yeah, shout out to D. Always love coming out with you, Davis, Ryan, whatever, you know. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy yourself when you're eating that rotisserie chicken, that blue cheese, and that barbecue. Because, see, a lot of people don't like blue cheese. All right? Oh. Me, I like blue cheese. So oh, yeah. Something that's like, I don't know if I would want the – but, see, the blue cheese, the sweetness of the barbecue sauce, may, may, the blue cheese may offset that, though. So I can kind of see how that works. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's because I love both, but when you put them together, it's yeah, it's one of those combos that you don't off the top of your head. It doesn't sound right, but it's unbelievable. The sweet and the savory, or something like that. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Definitely, is that, is that definitely. Right? Yeah, 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 definitely. But Grody, have a good one, man. I'll talk to you. Thank you. No doubt.